This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. What I really want to share today, because I know a lot of us, and we always talk about it in the workplace, but in the supermarket, in the campground, in the wherever we find ourselves, I feel sometimes there is a roadblock to us sharing the gospel. And I think the roadblock sometimes comes from a misunderstanding that we have in the scripture. I really believe, yes, I believe there is an image we are to uphold. But I don't believe there's an image we hold other people to. Um, So I want to show you how image can impede our vulnerability when it comes to sharing the gospel. And I want to show you where image has a place in our life and how we can follow Jesus' example by living in this world. For years, image was a big thing with me. You know, I dove in, like I shared, I've always shared before, I dove in head first, immersed myself, cut ties. What's behind me, I'm not looking back. Even if it's a relationship, even if it's family, even if it's whatever, I'm pressing forward. I even got to the point, I was very, very in the movement. I was puro Chicano, I was puro, proud of my heritage, and people would tell me all the time, well, you know, this and that, and I would say, you know, I'm not Mexican anymore. I'm a Christian. I would say that. I I was so immersed in this image. Like even when I first met you guys at Family Christian Stores, I, I, I I started off ministering from a safe zone. I worked at Family Christian Bookstores. And they had put me in the music department because I'm really big with music. So the way I would minister that way, those that would come in, especially in the music department, I would say, okay, who do you listen to in the secular? Who do you listen to? And they would say, oh, they started listing out Christian names. And I would say, no, 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 no. Let's be real. Who do you listen to? And then they would start giving me secular artists, and I would say, well, you know, this is an artist that sounds like that person. This is an, you like, oh, you like Jay-Z? This guy sounds like Jay-Z. Oh, you like Biggie Smalls? This is who Biggie, this guy smells like Biggie Smalls. And that was my way of ministering out of a safe zone. Because these people were coming in. And sometimes they weren't even Christians coming in. They knew that a family member or whoever was a Christian and they wanted to buy something Christian and they didn't know. So I would share with them, okay, here's this. Here's this. You know? And sometimes, again, we get caught up on how we look among men. Somebody shared with me recently when I was preparing for this message, we shouldn't be caught up with that. But we do. We should get caught, we should be caught up with how we look with Christ. And that's true. And that's part of what I'm going to teach today. So first, let's look at the definition of image. The representation of the external form of a person or thing in art. Okay. Number two. The general impression that a person, organization, 
or product represents in the public. And this is where we are. We're in the public, so we have to look a certain way. We have to act a certain way. We have to hold ourselves in a certain way. Um, and so but that image can block. So let me take you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mix it up today. I'm gonna do a little bit of my old style teaching along with my new style teaching. So I'm gonna take you back to where I first recognized where image became a problem. So here we have Moses going up, getting the tablets, because we want laws. God wanted relationship, we wanted laws. So here goes Moses, he goes up to the mountaintop, getting the tablets. It's taking forever. What's going on here? Come on. We need to do something. Let's go back to Egypt. Okay. Go where I'm going. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's make a golden calf. Because that's what they used to make images of their gods out of. Animals. So they went back to an old mindset. Okay, let's go back to the last thing we remember. So let's erect this golden calf and worship it. Moses comes down, of course, and again, again. Let me take you one other place. So there was a king. Okay, this king did some things he wasn't told to. He jumped the gun. Made a sacrifice before the prophet came. So God says, I got to remove you. I got to make a new king. So in Samuel, if we look in Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, he's going to a place that he was told that the next king would be. And of course, I'm going to show you how image plays a part in this. So he goes and he's looking. And in verse 6 and 7, he says, when they came, when they came, he looked on David's brother and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said, Samuel, I don't look at his appearance on his height of his stature because I have, don't look on his, don't look on his image, his appearance, his height and his stature because I rejected him. For the Lord sees, not, see, not, not for the Lord sees not what a man sees as a man looks at the outward and parents, but he sees what the heart is. See, if we get caught up looking at this exterior, we're going to see, oh man, man, you ain't got it together. But we don't know what's really inside of his heart. We don't know what's going on. We don't know the inner struggle that's happening, that he wants to change, but he doesn't know how. And he's only going with the last image he had. He's not going with anything different because nobody's showing him different because they look at him and they say, oh no, I can't get myself involved. I don't want to look bad. Kind of like the way I used to do things, you know? And so let me fast forward a little bit, okay? I want you to look at Peter. Peter was the one that was really, really caught up with image. Really, really caught up with image. You know, Jesus came to him and said, hey, you know, it's time for me to get down and let me wash your feet. And Peter's, oh, no, oh, no. No, you're, you're the master. You're not supposed to be washing my feet. Well, if this don't happen, Peter, then you can't 
you can't be this. Oh, well then just drench me. Pour it all over me. No, no. Again, you're not looking at what I'm telling you. So we go forward, fast forward a little bit more. Okay. It's about the time for Jesus to go and be arrested and go to pay for our sins. And what's, what's Peter's first reaction? Grabs a sword and cuts off somebody's ear. You know, you ain't doing this to my Jesus. You ain't doing this to the image that this is the rule and reign we're going to go under. You have no right to attack him. And Jesus, yes, yet again goes, no, Peter. Puts the ear on and heals him. That's not the way. I came to heal. See, sometimes we do that. Somebody comes against our Jesus, even by their lifestyle, we attack them. We cut off their ear. And Jesus says, no. It's not the way I meant it to happen. I wanted you to heal their heart. And in order to heal their heart, you got to get to know who they are. You got to look on that inside. And the only way you could look inside is getting to know them. Because then as you get to know them, the inside is going to come out. Okay? So here we go again. Last one. All right. Sorry to say this, but you're going to deny me three times. Oh, no, I'm not. You don't know me. <laughs> do we do that? You know what? You might do that. Oh, no, Lord. Oh, no, Father. You don't know me. Yeah, I do. So let me give you another example, okay? Let me say this real quick. I know there is a fine balance between fellowship and practicing. Again, image plays a part in this. Yet again, Peter and now Barnabas. But now Peter and Barnabas. Somebody showed me this scripture. I kind of knew it before, and I kind of, when it was shown to me, I was a Peter. I'm going to admit it. I was a Peter. I'm like, hey, you don't know what I mean by this. I went on there. I says, no, this is what it really means. And really, this person was agreeing with me. But I was in my Peter. I was in my, my image, okay? I'm expecting to become against by what I'm teaching because I feel this is so different inside of my own heart from what I was taught before. And I came against a brother who was agreeing with me because I read it in a text. And I've always shared that, you know, I was taught this long ago. Matters of the heart should never be taught to minister to and text or email because you can't see the facial expression you can't hear the tone of the voice you can't hear and so I kind of sent an email back to say hey, from now on when I send my notes to you we need to sit down and talk so I can hear your voice because I'm still struggling with this Peter in me I didn't tell him that but I just in my mind you know so let me take you to another person Paul I used to believe and I still kind of believe Paul was in the right mindset for what he believed. When he believed these people were coming against what he believed in his faith and his religion and his whatever, he went after him. And then I realized recently that Paul 
was knocked off his, and God gave me this when I was preparing this. Paul was knocked off his religious high horse. And he was taken down and he became a devout follower. In fact, the scripture that he was talking about when he was going into my notes and sharing it with me was talking about when Peter was eating with the Gentiles and the circumcised team was coming. And this is when Paul was coming against Peter. The circumcised team was coming and he's like, he saw them and he goes, oh shoot, I'm a Jew. I'm a Christian. And let me get, let me key in on that real quick. If we're not careful, again, in the scripture, holding the laws, Jesus came against who? The Pharisees. Because they, yet they knew the law, but they didn't know the spirit behind it. So what were they doing? They were trying to bring Jewish law into the faith by holding people accountable, but not holding themselves accountable. So he was over there. He saw the circumcising team, group coming, and he said, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah, y'all got be, to become Jews before you can become Christians. When yet he was just eating with them. And Paul came against him and says, you hypocrite. We use that word a lot, hypocrite. But really, why was he a hypocrite? He was a hypocrite not because he was eating with the Gentiles. He was a hypocrite because he wanted to be religious. That's why he was a hypocrite in this scripture particular. It's our pharisaical mindsets that get us to miss the mark when it comes to being vulnerable. Jesus, on the other hand, was always questioned. Always questioned, you know. So let me take you to some things where Jesus, let me take you and let me show you something. Okay, so what is vulnerability? What does it mean to be vulnerable? <laughs> this is a scary place for most of us. And do you know why? Because I'm going to share why. Because being vulnerable is capable of being physically or emotionally wounded. Number two, open to attack and damage. So here we are, Jesus is sitting, eating with a bunch of tax collectors, sinners. Who is this that eats with the sinners and the tax collectors? It's funny how it says sinners and tax collectors. Wouldn't they all be sinners? No, tax collector was like a whole different animal. Whole different animal. And he was yet eating with both of them. You know, and even there was a time in the scripture where they brought, they brought a man for him to heal. And it wasn't because they wanted to see a healing. It happened to be the Sabbath. And he wanted to see, okay, you're going to break the law? You're going to break the law to, to create a miracle here? And Jesus, if you look in the scripture, let me read it real quick. Bear with me, sometimes my mind kind of goes, sometimes. That's in Mark 3, 1 through 6. 
They intended to trap him with his response. He did not come, did, did, he did what, let me read, hold on. I even wrote this big. They intended to trap him. Notice his response. He, he did what he came to do. This isn't the scripture. This is my notes. Just for you not following. He was grieved at their hardened hearts. They, were, they weren't looking for a healing, but they were looking for a way to come against him. Is that what we do? We, we look away to sometimes come against each other. Oh, hey, I saw you over there. What are you questioning? What, what, what are you doing over there? I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> this week I had lunch with my cousin and her wife. And I struggled. I really, because this inner man inside of me, I struggled with, should I put this on Facebook? Because if I put this on Facebook... I'm going to open myself up for attack. I'm going to open myself up for people to say, hey, what do you really believe? And I put it up. And the, the lunch was just amazing. Had an amazing lunch with them. You know, we went to Las Delicias and we had some really good food. And it was awesome. So let me show you something. Let me, let me, let me show you how this works. Okay. Y'all know what a lighthouse is, right? Why is it a lighthouse has to be stationary? Because you got ships out there, they see the light, and it draws them in, right? Now, if this lighthouse happened to go out there, because we're, pull, we're, we're trying to bring people to Christ, okay? But if the lighthouse went out with its light... And went to somebody, the light would be so overwhelming, they would lose their way. That's what we do. We need to let our faith be like that lighthouse. They see the light in us, and it draws them in. Our, our example that we have in Jesus is that we... Spend time with people, no matter who they are. The image we have, let me go into the image we have. There's a scripture, Philippians 2, and it talks about walking out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? So, here it is. You know, you walk out your fear and trembling, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as I, as, I, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as it is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? I want you to key in on some words here. For it is God who works in you both the will and the to work for his goodness. Okay? Stop there for a second. I thought it was our job to work out the goodness. I thought it was our job to make things right. <laughs> what I've learned over the years, that's what they call behavior modification. And that's not what the scripture says. He is going to work it out in us. And we do nothing. We do nothing as far as that aspect. So what is it we do? 
Do all things without grumbling or disrupting so that you may be blameless and innocent as children before God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among you shine as lights to the world, holding fast to the world of life so that one day Christ may be proud that you did not run in vain, labor in vain. And it goes on to talk about how he's a drink offering. So we're not to argue and to complain. Hey, I need you to go over here and talk to this person. <laughs> no. No. But I need you to go over there. You know? And I want you to understand, too, again, like somebody had shared with me before, and I was going to talk about it right here. It's that working with him, that image. You know? As we walk out our salvation, this came to me just as I was sitting here. As we walk out our salvation, let's not take on somebody else's salvation. So what does that mean? I was praying when he gave it to me just when I was sitting there. He was downloading it. I was praying. What, do you, what does that mean? That means you can actually sit with somebody who is sinning while you working out your salvation, not taking on theirs, so not taking on not only the responsibility for getting them right, but the responsibility of what they're doing. See, sometimes we're, the whole thing is, and I've heard this thing, is it easier for me to pull you up or for me to pull you down? Valid, valid. But if the man down here, up there, is strong enough in his faith, focused on who's empowering him, and not empowering himself, you better believe he's got the strength to pull up because that's what we're called to do. We're called to pull people to the next level of their lives. And you can only do that if you're not concerned with taking on somebody else's salvation. When you're working on your own and what you're doing, because again, I'm going to get into it here soon where there's a difference between the image and the example, okay? Here's another scripture I kind of stumbled upon. It was kind of funny. Um, somebody was asking me about how the dead can rise if we're absent, if we're, pre if we're dead when we die. We're present with the Lord. How can the dead rise? And I, at the point, because again, I don't get into a lot of it like that. You know, we were at a motorcycle rally and he wanted to get deep into it. But as I was going to the scriptures, this scripture popped up. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. 
See, that tells me I'm supposed to mind my business when it comes to your household until you're ready. You know what, Lito? I seen you get through this. How do I do it? Let's go. Let's go. Let me show you. You know? But till then, we mind our business. They will ask the questions. Our conduct, as far as law keeping, and this is where I was talking, is in our personal relationship with our Father in heaven. Work out your own salvation. Mind your own affairs. He will work on, the, on in them as he works in us. He needs no middleman in working out the details. Are we busy trying to be the middleman? It's not our job. Our job is to work on ourselves. I think that's why sometimes some of us struggle is we're trying to do this and we don't realize by taking on the responsibility for you, now I'm struggling with what you're struggling with. <laughs> when I just relate with you and be fe fellowship with you and hang out with you and work on myself, you're going to come to me and together we're going to go to the Father and together we're going to go. See, we can't exclude him. Because we do. We take on the responsibility for others. We don't let him take on the responsibility. And so he has to just sit back and say, okay, well, I wanted to work there, but if you got this. And how do we do that? How do we work without teaching, preaching, all of the busyness of church? When you hear of somebody's need, how do you respond? Do you respond with, oh, we'll pray. Prayer is good. Prayer is amazing. Oh, well, if you do this, well, that's good and that's practical, but what if they don't believe the way you, be you believe? That is going to be hard for them. That's a concept. That's like someone going to a general math person and saying, okay, I want you to work out this calculus equation. They're going to be like, huh? They ain't going to know how to apply the things in our lives, in their lives, because they are not where we are. So we got to start with the little things. All right. So you got a phone bill that's, out of, that's back. Here, let me help you with that. Oh, you got this, this, this thing? Let me just walk you through this thing. Let me grieve with you. Let me cry with you. Let me be sad with you. Because sometimes it's okay to not be okay. I mean, we've heard that before. So when we're sitting, there's a video I put up a while back. I taught it to our youth. It's called the morning booth. The skit guys put it out. They do a lot of amazing videos. They'll act out, they'll act out a scripture in a skit. Very amazing. So they're doing, this, they're doing this scripture talking about mourning. And the guy comes and he's mourning and he's sitting in the booth. And of course there's the guy who comes up with the Bible, sharing the Bible, sharing this. And he's mourning. He's broken. And then another one comes and starts cracking jokes, making fun. Like, let's, let's get you happy again. Let's get you out of this funk. And it goes on, a few others do different things. 
And finally, there's, the waitress has been serving the coffee. And finally, the waitress just comes over, puts the coffee mug on the table, and just sits and holds his hand. Sometimes we have to sit with people and hold their hand. And so as we do that, you know, they will open up. They will open up. You know, so let me give you some examples from my own life. We were, I'm part of the motorcycle ministry now, so I'm going to speak from that. There was an MC that I, I saw this example, and it was amazing, amazing. Really taught me how to get out of my comfort zone. This, this MC, an MC is a motorcycle club. There was this MC that had a support group that was a Christian group. And that Christian group prays for them. And that's the only one they'll go to to pray for them. But in this MC, one of, one of my friends became a part of it. And one of the members of the MC that he was a part of, the Christian MC, drove 600 miles to him. How you doing? How you been? Everything good? All right, got to head back home. That was it. Didn't have an agenda. Didn't have a, let's have a Bible study. Just wanted to check on you. I know you're new. I know you just started in all this. And then my friend, but because they, they work a little different, was expected to do the same thing. We should be at that level. There. And this is from not just their organization, the Christian organization, but also from their outlaw organization that this happens. So sometimes the world is getting it right while we get it wrong. So I happened to be at the motorcycle convention over here. There was a... The, the, the motorcycle expo, we set up a booth. I walk around and go shake hands with everybody because I, you know, that's just what we do. You know, we talk with everybody. Happen to go to one of the booths. One of my friends is in that MC. He says, hey, there's this thing in Plen Pleasanton, Kansas. We're gonna do this. Our, our crew down there, they shut the whole town down. They have a rally. It's, it's almost like a mini Sturgis. Man, it's, it's just amazing. And I'd look at it, and I go, I look at Stacy, and I look at him, I says, We'll be there. He's like, Really? I says, Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. Pleasanton, Kansas is close to the Missouri border. I do a lot of turn and burn trips, we call them, where I just go, and again, from this example, I do a lot of turn and burn trips where we go for the weekend. We'll leave on a Friday, come back on a Sunday. We really only have one day to do anything because Friday we're driving, Sunday we're driving. And it's not just like, okay, we're going up to town, we're going up to Estes. We did a turn and burn going to Surprise, Arizona, which is just outside of Phoenix. That is a 14-hour drive. Turn and burn. In fact, I got home... <laughs> I got home, I think, 
at one o'clock in the morning and I had to work at four Monday. But it needed to happen. We need to be that intentional with people. We need to be that intentional with people. So I tell them we're going to be there or whatever. So I tell Stacy, we're going to Pleasanton. We're going to go over here. And Stacy's got a new thing now. You know, so she figures out where we're going. She goes, well, you know, the Missouri border is just, a, just an hour away. That's the new thing, an hour away. I says, I already have that planned because I have her in mind now too. I already have that planned. There's these three dealerships just on the border of Missouri. We're going to hit. Because when we go anywhere, I try and hit a, hit a Harley Davidson dealership. I buy her a shirt, I buy myself a chip and a pin, and it's just become our thing now. So she goes, well, you know, we're gonna be on the Missouri border. And she was thinking, cause she collects postcards of all the places we've been. So she was thinking of collecting a postcard from Missouri. And I'm like, yeah, I already got a plan. We're gonna see these dealerships over here. And then we're gonna go to a place that I've heard about called Gates Barbecue. We're gonna go check that out. And then we drove and we ended up going to the, we probably, we missed most of the rally. We got there to the tail end of the rally. I walk in and they say, and I talk to him, we talk a little bit, and he says, you know, he says, this was a good rally. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes we, uh, we had four, four one percenters, and a one percenter is an outlaw biker organization. We had four presenters give their, one, one percenters give their lives to the Lord. And we baptized, I'm not going to say the organization's name, but we baptized one organization. I could have heard that when he came back. But to be there to support him and talk about life and talk about, you know, what we got going on. Because I'm in an MM, which is a motorcycle ministry. He is in an MC, which is a lot different. A lot more things that they have to adhere to. A lot more hierarchy. A lot more regulations. And so, you know, just us interfacing because they don't look at us the same. But they look at me the same. Or he looks at me the same. Because I took that extra effort. We got to take these extra efforts with people. And no, it may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen in the time frame we think it's going to happen. You know, like here's one where I started. Let me go back a little bit. Our church, one of my old churches, used to buy Boulder Dinner. This is way, one way you can do it. Used to buy Boulder Dinner uh, theater tickets, like a bunch. And so they were open up to the church, you know, hey, you want to go? We're going to buy this, get this as a group, and we're going to go as a group to church. And so what I would do is I was always buy four tickets. And I would find somebody who had never experienced this before. And I would say, hey, let's go check this out. And I would bring them to the Boulder Dinner Theater. And if you go to the Boulder Dinner Theater, your food's paid for, everything's paid for, you watch the show. So, I mean, if you get something outside of what's in the normal menu, like if you get prime rib, you just pay a little bit more. So other than that, they're not paying for anything. I'm not asking them. I'm saying, I want to buy these tickets, so do you want to go? Oh, they're 50 bucks. No. It was like, hey, you guys want to go to the Boulder Dinner Theater? Well, what's on? I think they're doing, they're doing, uh, what was it? Cats. They're doing cats this weekend, this, this run. Oh, that'd be amazing. Let's go check it out. And so we would just take them. There's things we can do that we don't necessarily have to go to the bar. There's things we can do that we don't have to go to 
let's just be real, to a strip club. We can take them to places, a neutral area, and say, let's, let's live life together. How's your family? How's your kids? How's your work? Oh, you're not going to preach to me? No. I want to know how you are. I want to work on how you are. I'm not concerned with all that. That will happen when it happens. And that will happen when the Lord leads it. Not when we lead it. Because, again, in anything we do, we want the Lord to be involved. I put a post up recently. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this or not. I put a post up recently. And in that post, I talk about a lot of things I do for people is usually just between me and them. And as I was writing this post out, because I, I start writing, and the Lord takes over. And so in this, I was writing, and I went back, and I read it, and I was like, oh, wow. And he was like, yeah, when you take the credit, how can I take the glory? See, I think that's the other, the other aspect of it. We're busy trying to take the credit for people's lives. He can't move in it. He can't be the one being victorious in their life. So then again, they see you slip up. Hey, what happened, bro? I looked up to you. See, they need to look up to him, not us. We need to let him work and be flowing so much into him to know when and where. Because that's the thing we miss. We miss geography and we miss timing. They may not be ready for what you have for them at that moment. There's times where I've gone and the Lord says, shut up. I'm like, but they're saying this, shut up. You talk when I tell you to talk. What am I, a ventriloquist dummy? No, you're not. But you flow my power through you. If you just talk, you're in your own power. Are you ready to carry them? He needs us to fellowship with others in need of him. And as we live our lives among them, just like in Jesus' time, they will watch us and they will ask the questions. Look in the scripture. I challenge you, do a study. They ask him the questions. They seek him out. Where? There he goes. I heard he's over here. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. At the well, he had a meeting. That's a little bit different. He happened to be there. She happened to be there. He says, hey, can you give me some water? Do you know you need to get your life right? Because you've had several marriages. You have several men before. No. Can you give me a drink of water? He's trying to introduce himself into her life. He says, well, you know we don't. Oh, okay. And then a conversation happened. That's what we need is a conversation, not a debate. 
We are too busy debating. The debate happens when there's two opposing arguments. And I use the word argument. A conversation happens when you're open to the dialogue that's happening. Hear a person out first. Before we're first to say, oh, this, 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 this. We need to give them real life tools to live a godly life. Sharing life is more than just sharing scripture. It is giving them the step-by-step on how we walk through those life situations. Books we've read, how we've changed habits, behavior, at times walking alongside of them. Even if they do or do not follow our advice we give them. The biggest part of this process, the biggest part of this process, we can't be afraid to get messy. Jesus got messy. So messy, the religious of his time plotted against him. That is the example we follow in our actions. The image is what we follow ourselves as we work out our own salvations in fear and trembling with our Father in heaven. So again, you have the image and you have the example. Image is our relationship to him. Example is our relationship with others. As I was, again, over here, God was downloading something to me. And for some reason, I wanted my hair braided today. I had my daughter come in the room, and she's over there fidgeting with it. And some parts of my hair is not ready to be braided because I wanted the whole thing to be braided. You know, I wanted it to look sharp. I wanted it to look good. And it wasn't working. And so I look at Stacy and I says, can you, can you straighten my hair? Because my hair is just crazy, crazy. I have broken brushes in my hair. That's how crazy my hair can get. So as I was over here, this is what the Lord told me. He told me to say, I let my hair down physically today. Some of us have to let our, our hair down spiritually. Not to the point of sin, but allowing people to come to us as they are. And then as I was, as, 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 as you were preparing the, the, the communion and you were talking to the communion, he gave me this and I'm over here with my, with my bread and my, my, my cup of, of, of juice and I give, her the, I give her the thing and I could give me the pen and I'm writing over here again. And it said, he said this, prepare for the worst, but be ready. And I emphasize that word ready, be ready for the best. At some point, they will come to you with the hard questions, but not until they can trust you with who they are. So what am I saying in all this? Okay, let me, let me give you an overall of what I'm saying in all this. Get rid of your image. Don't try to be somebody you're not. You got some stuff in your life. We all do. So why fake it? Be real with people. You know, I heard a word being thrown around recently, authenticity. Be authentic with people. You know, in hip hop, there's a word that goes out there. It's called the GOAT, greatest of all time. The GOAT. There's a, fa a, a fact right there. Come up here, Jay. This is one goat right here that goes around and says he's a goat. 
He's the greatest of all time. He's been rapping since the early 80s. Since hip-hop was birthed, he's been rapping. That word goat. In the scriptures, we hear about a goat. Do we not? What does that goat look like? Yeah, I don't need you anymore. The, what does that goat look like? There's a whole series of things that Jesus says, you know, thank you for feeding me. Thank you for this. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But when? And then he tells the goats the same things. Well, you know, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. But when? When the least of these. See, we miss it. And a little part of that, a little part of that being the goat, you know, is about self. So a little part of our image is about self. We're worried about how we look. Not how he looks. And again, we're going back to that old image. That old pharisaical mind that wants to come into the church and say, Look at me, how I pray. I'm not like this guy over here. We're just the same. We just have different issues. So let's not be fake with the issues. Let's not judge their issues and expect them not to judge ours. You know? Be authentic. Be real. You know? Get rid of the image and focus on the example. The image is for you and Jesus. You and God, you and the Father. The example is how he lived. So how should we live with people? Surround yourself with people. And you can do it in their arena if you're strong enough. You could do it in a neutral arena if you're not. There should be no reason for you not to share life with people. Get to know them. Oh, like last week, oh, you guys like Prince? Let's go to this concert. Lane was setting me up. Seriously. I have had, I went to Arizona this year, and I went to the Leonard Skinner concert. I have had more people talking to me about that, co that concert than anything I've ever done religiously. It has opened so many doors for me to talk with people. A lot of these trips, especially the trips. Oh, where are you going this weekend? It's, it's kind of a running joke now. Hey, where are you going this weekend? What are you doing this weekend? They think I'm going on vacation. And they're like, okay, where are you going? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going over here. What are you going to do over there? Well, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. And then I'm ministering. Oh, okay. So when you go to the dealership, can you give me this? I can do that. Open door. I have a gentleman right now that just, you know, I would go to these motorcycle events and he happened to be on my Facebook and said something to me. So now every time I see him at a motorcycle event, I say, hey, uh, let's take a pic together. Post it on Facebook, send it off in a group of pictures. Recently he said, you know what? My family's going through this, can you, can you pray? I would usually go to this person but I can't go to him anymore. Can you pray? I said, sure. We don't talk every day. We don't see each other, but maybe at these rallies. You never know 
when that open door comes. So be ready for the best. Prepare for the worst. You may not see any fruit right away. That's one of the beautiful things that changed my mind about black sheep. When they said, you will not see the fruits of this ministry for at least two years because it takes at least two years to develop a healthy relationship. I know that's a big commitment to be two years in somebody's life and maybe barely see something. Maybe barely see a little seed come out of the ground, a little sprout. I don't know if I can do that. Jesus did. If you really want to know the truth, I ask people all the time, how long did Jesus disciple the disciples? And the, the biggest question, three years. <laughs> and I said this before, he discipled them till the day he died. And then, after he was dead, he says, hey, let me come back and impart some more in you. <laughs> okay, now I got to go, but I'm preparing a place for you, so you're coming with me now. So it wasn't just the lifetime. Now that I'm thinking about it, it wasn't just the lifetime. It was for eternity he was ready to be with these people. That's the example we need to follow. Here's one more before I go. A friend of mine, we were talking back and forth, and we were talking about, you know, the scripture. I said, I said, I was talking about, you know, he brought up the prostitute that was brought something, and he brought something to my attention. It blew my mind. I never looked at it this way. He said, okay, so that's my favorite scripture. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, that's my favorite scripture. And he goes, do you know why? And I go, why? He goes, because the one that had the right to accuse them Accuse her and throw a stone didn't. And it dawned on me, what did he say? I know I I don't then condemn you. When I have every basically, I don't condemn you when I have every right to condemn you. And yet we're busy condemning people. When in that instant he had every right to say, you know what? I never looked at it that way. And we're busy saying, hey man, you, that lifestyle is going to get you. Hey, this is going to get you. They will come to us when they are ready. We need to be ready for that. We need to be patient and not erect our golden calf because the word has not come down yet. We need to be ready. We need to be patient and ready for the image to work itself out inside of them. Just like we need to be patient for the image to be worked out inside of us. We need to extend the same grace to them as God extends to us. As our Father extends to us. So let me just pray with you before I go. Father God. Remove the scales of religion. Let them fall from our eyes. Let us see people the way you see people. Let us look inwardly and find people where they are in order to bring them closer to you. Give us the strength and the will to do, the will and the work to do your good pleasure. Because it is only in that that we are going to touch people. You're working on us, and that's something we, we have with you. That's all inside of our own relationship. 
And I thank you for working that in me because there were things that I was not willing to change and work on until you came in and said, okay, here, let me touch this area now. And let me touch this area now. And now I'm just flowing more and more as you touch these new areas in my life. I pray that you touch the new areas and everybody's in the room's life. So they work out their image with you and don't project that to people. And that you give them opportunities this week, this month, this year, 10 years. You give them opportunity after opportunity to share life with people. Share the gospel of redemption. Your redemption. We just thank you for what you're going to do in the room. We thank you. I thank you for what you're going to do in the hearts. And I just set them loose. That you would work in them the way they are created. Just like Lane touched on last week. Use them the way they are created. All I gave today were examples. A little blueprint. But that doesn't mean that's what the building has to look like. You have made us so individually unique. Use us in our uniqueness. And I just thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, we invite you to check out our website or feel free to download the Church Center app. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on YouTube and Spotify. We love you, God bless you, and thank you for tuning in to Catch the Fire Boulder.